singles only, folks. How are you? Yes, that was a new song intro. It is our 300th episode. That was Style Like You by Jeffrey Goldford, my dear friend. If you like the song, go download it today on iTunes or give him a follow and all that stuff. He's awesome. Very talented. He produced the first song for the first 300 episodes and I had him lend me or license me this song for the upcoming episodes. 300 episodes of Singles Only Podcast. I am so thankful that we're here. Thank you for listening. Um, wow, I can't I can't believe I've been doing this. This is the longest relationship I've had with anything in my life. This is the longest I've done anything. Well, I played tennis for a while and I played in lots of bands, but never the same band for six years, I want to say. Anyway, I want to thank everyone that listens to the podcast, of course, most importantly. Thanks for all the guests who've been on the episodes, um, 300 of them. I think we've had a few people come multiple times, but well over 250 guests who uh, graced me with their presence, shared their hearts with you and me and most importantly, the voices of reason, uh, Jeannie Dugan for the first hundred or so episodes, Maggie DePaulo for the last hundred episodes, I want to say, and Patty Vasquez, who's been there um, for the duration over well over a hundred episodes. Um, the last hundred episodes we had were mostly during COVID, so I want to thank all the people that. Gave me their time via Zoom, uh, in person, risking their lives to to sit with me, um, who had COVID twice. Um, so this has been a crazy, crazy thing. I started this podcast as a way to promote um, a show that I had called Singles Only at the Laugh Factory in Chicago. Uh, Jamie Masada is the one that um, told me to, about podcasts and the future of podcasts and. I had never even listened to a full episode of a podcast before I started Singles Only. And if you go back and listen to those first episodes, you can tell. <laughs> anyway, um, wow. Uh, we have shirts for the Singles Only podcast. They're super cool with a super cool logo um, that uh, you can get a copy of or you can get a, a shirt if you email me at pfarvartgmail.com while supplies last. Show me a review. Um, and that you subscribe to the podcast and you'll get a shirt. Um, all the guests, if you are a former guest, email me. Um, you get a free shirt as well. Everyone's getting free shirts. These shirts are awesome. They're super soft. They're super red and they're super cool. So get them while they last. I'm already out of certain sizes because, uh, I've been giving them to the guests as I see them at shows. Um, and I've been, uh, yeah, you'll see them around and then you're going to see them and you're gonna be like, shit, I wish I had one. Um, you can also get the uh, Better Call Paul shirts uh, with all the monies going to Parkinson's Foundation at uh, by emailing me at pfarvrgmail.com, Facebook, Instagram, me, whatever you want. Uh, I'll get you a shirt. Uh, we have new colors on the Better Call Paul shirts in yellow, uh, gray. Uh, we're all out of pink. That was limited edition ones. So if you have those, you are one of the few 300 people that have them, I think. Um, we still have the traditional black ones as well. And by we, I mean me. So 
all the proceeds, all the profits go to Parkinson's Foundation. So if you buy a shirt, you're uh, a good person and you get a super soft shirt and you get to support Parkinson's and me, I guess, because you'll be promoting my shirt, wearing them all over, I assume. This episode um, features me. Patty Vasquez is interviewing me on this episode. So pretty uh, fun episode. Definitely fucking hard to sit on the other side of this uh, table um, and be interviewed, especially by Patty, who's such a good interviewer. So hope you enjoy this episode. Um, I'll be in Reno this week in Las Vegas, Las Vegas next week at the Laugh Factories in Reno and Las Vegas, respectfully. I'm just opening the shows um, for Comedian Basil. And then I'll be um, in Florida, in Orlando at Bonkers, uh, the end of April. Um, I'll be at uh, Spitfire in St. Petersburg on Sunday, May 1st, headlining there. And then I'm uh, back in Chicago, I think. Then I'm on the road with Dusty Slay at Chattanooga uh, Comedy Catch and uh, all over the place. So check it out. Please check out our sponsors. Please check out the song style like you download it, Spotify, on iTunes, whatever. You can listen to the whole episode of of this podcast, wherever you're listening to, and also go and listen to that song as well. Sorry for the long intro. I felt like I should probably talk a little bit since uh, this is a milestone. And uh, yeah, if you've got your stories, share them with me. If you have guests that you want me to bring on the podcast, let me know as well. Um, we're going to try some new stuff next, uh, next hundred episodes. I'm going to open it up to some experts, some real experts. Uh, I've got some fun episodes coming up that we've already recorded, uh, covering new areas as well that we haven't discussed in the past. I know last week we had a, a musician, which we haven't had very often and, uh, I'm not limiting it to comedians anymore. So hope all's well with all of you. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast and sticking with me uh if you've listened to more than five episodes i really appreciate it if you've reviewed my episode uh or given us a review on itunes or soundcloud or wherever you listen i super appreciate it you don't know how much that helps in the rankings and all that good stuff which is really what matters here uh because i'm just doing it for the attention that i didn't get as a child Hello, and welcome to another episode of Singles Only. This is Patty Vasquez, one of the voices of reason heard regularly on the podcast. And joining us today is the creator and host of Singles Only, Paul Farfar. Hey, Paul, how are you doing today? This feels so weird. You're coming in hot, too. Am I? Yeah. yeah Maybe we should little, turn down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you don't, you know how to manage your controls. Oh, uh, I'm not usually sitting in the, in the, in the, there you go. There we go. What do you call it? The hot seat. The hot seat. Well, this exactly. is the voice of reason seat that you sit yeah, in. I come in. I come in like the sound, the voice of God. Uh, I didn't. Re- I'm always the quiet one. I thought that's all right. Yeah. So, Paul. Yes, Pat. Tell us why are you single? <laughs> well, you're a good-looking guy. You're successful. Oh, wow. You've got a beautiful condo in Lincoln Park in yeah. Chicago, one of the best neighborhoods in the city. You've got a lot to <laughs> offer a partner. I like the voice that you're using to imitate me. I like that. That's pretty funny. <laughs> I like it. Um, so why are you single? I By choice. I think uh, I recently uh, decided I'm going to be this soloist thing mm-hmm. that, that Peter McGraw talked about on, on the episode before. We talked about it before, too. I just think that it's like uh, I, I like my life. Why change it? And we've had guests on here that say their relationships are toxic or, uh, you know, they've been in situations. And 
I just, I don't think I need to have someone else to be whole. And how much of that <laughs> approach do you think has been informed by all the people that you've talked to and, and learned from them and then also reflected on your own life and your choices? I think that uh, when I started this podcast, I was like, okay, show me I'm wrong. Show me how I'm wrong on this, on this idea that marriage is an outdated institution, that relationships are, are, uh, fleeting mm -hmm. traditional marriage um and i think that i've learned that i'm right i think that i have but how would single people who obviously are, are trying to find love or not trying to find love mm -hmm. how would they prove it to you that that marriage was not an outdated institution they, just because i hear the reasons why people say they want to be in a relationship right i think same reasons that i always said when i was younger and and my brain wasn't fully formed in my 20s where i was like i just want to be in a relationship i just want to have a girlfriend and i didn't know why and so uh i think a lot of it was making up for lost time because when i was younger i didn't have girlfriends i never had a date to anything until like junior year in high school i didn't go to prom until i didn't go to homecoming until i think junior year or maybe senior year i don't remember but um so i was like I thought that that's what I needed to to make me whole, and I was like, no, I can, I can, I can pursue cool shit, and you're you're free most of the time. You're uh, advance your career further. I think that when you don't have to worry about a personal relationship that you have to to nourish or a uh, uh, flower, a water like a flower. Right. Well, you, you feel like you're you're in, you're invested. Your energy is going to somebody else instead of what you're interested. In, and especially if that person isn't enough to want to maintain that, right? Because right. and I think that a lot of people uh, seem to approach it as work relationships. It as is work. work, right? Have you? So you've never been in a relationship that just felt comfortable and easy, and you could see. You know, I have been lately that the relationships I've been in in now, because I am open about that, that like, hey, this is my priority. I'm a very uh, career oriented person, whether I was comedy before with law, with music, whatever I did, it was always a priority. And I and I realized now certain relationships, people won't work with that. You know, if if they don't have something going on in their own lives that they're uh, passionate about, it's not going to work because then I become the focus. And uh I think that I've learned that I'm, that's not me. Like I, I don't want to put in the work for something if it's not going to make me happier. Right. And do you feel like you would, it, it, that it is work that you have to work to make somebody happy and having that takes too much time away from the things that you want to focus on. Right. I mean, you, I definitely want to make people happy. I've been, in, I'm in relationships now where I want to, I want to make sure that they're happy and they're not upset with me. So I'm always open and honest about what I'm in, what situations I'm in or what I'm doing, but I don't want to be accountable for, uh, you know, someone's, I don't want to cause pain to anyone. That's the biggest concern for me. Like, I don't want to be someone that's like, oh, that he broke my heart or some shit like that. Because it just it just seems like a lot of it just seems like a lot. I don't know that I we've talked to too many people who are more worried about hurting somebody else than they are about getting hurt themselves. Have you has that ever been a factor for you? Like, I think I was hurt the most. That's, I what, think, that's what I was gonna say. I, I think I feel... that I thought that when I thought that the reason why I am the way I am now is because I was cheated on by uh, two girlfriends that I had in my twenties that affected me. I was like, well, I think that's something that. That uh, betrayal or uh, another girl that I fell in love with, like went out with my best friend, like things like that I thought were what caused this fucking mental breakdown. But 
when I went to therapy and I brought this up to the attention of uh, the therapist, he's like, no, it's not that you're, it goes back to your attachment theory with your, with your parents, with your mother. And I was like, okay, I guess so. <laughs> like, he's the expert. Well, but I mean, okay, well then let's talk about that. So or maybe when, we never went into that because I stopped going because you said I was perfect. I'm like, all right, swill. You, you got the mother thing and you're like, okay, that makes sense. I'll that all makes sense. Yeah. Oh, I mean, then he, I went back and learned a lot about my own childhood and when, um, you know, when I was born, my mom had what we probably know now is postpartum depression. And so uh, I didn't have that. Those zero to six months, mm-hmm. the the attention you're supposed to get. The connection. So, that the pe- connection, right. right. So you weren't breastfed? I, I think I was, but not long enough. I, I feel so clinical about this. So, yeah. So tell me, do you know if you were breastfed? Well, no. I mean, like, who talks about that? I, I what don't mom remember. What mom is going to be like, yeah. I breastfed you, yes. Whatever the, the things were is I, I had to do homework when I went to therapy, and I, and I brought it back to his attention. He's like, yep, just like I expected. I was like, so wait, can we talk about that girl that cheated on me with a girl that I, uh, with a guy that I knew that she was going to cheat on me with? He's like, he goes, that doesn't matter. I'm like, I feel like it kind of does. And yeah. he's like, no. I don't know. What, I'm, okay. I, he not, didn't dismiss it as much but he was like say, let's focus on this first right right so did you ever come back to the no we never right went back so to i mean like, and i stopped going to therapy right so that like you never addressed that trauma yeah you just took his answer as it, it goes back to your relationship with your mom I and mean, i'm not negating that but what was your what was your relationship with both of your parents in their marriage you know so my parents are old school uh they're still together and uh they probably should have been divorced years ago but now in their elderly years it's i do see that you know they need each other you know they're they're each other's they're friends like they need each other but they also like hate each other they're like kids that fight all the time now not so much but the last 10 15 years so their relationship is kind of toxic in a way um especially now where my father needs a caretaker to assist. And so like you see that their personalities clashing even more uh, when you're trying to decide who's going to be in the house with them and finding someone they both can like. Um, as far as my relationship with them, you know, we, uh, uh, you know, Param, Parastran, who wrote the book, uh, Perfect Pain, who was a sponsor on the show, his parents and my parents were a lot similar in the sense that they didn't know how to show love the way um, most people do now. I mean, they were in a, they escaped a country to make a better life for their kids, right? And so in the Persian community, you live for your kids. And it's like, this is what we sacrifice. So hopefully this all works out and just be happy and rich and and successful. So that's, that's a relationship. You have that guilt that you're like, okay, well, my parents did all the sacrifice for us. So we got to fucking make it work, you know? And were since they were, were they fighting as much when you were younger? Do you remember them? I do remember fighting, but they were like, it was like one of those things where you'd walk into a room and then they get really quiet. They'd oh like, really? Yeah. Or they'd close the door and you wouldn't notice it because I was too busy in my own world playing video games and, and doing whatever, playing with the dog and stuff. But like, I think they tried to hide it from us, my brother and I, but they were probably fighting a lot. So your idea of romance didn't come from your parents. No. I mean, was it all from like movies and television or people around you? I think it was from people around me. I think that, um, and movies, obviously, because I, I read my journal when I was 20. I kept the journal for like six months and all I fucking, if it wasn't my handwriting, I'd be like, this isn't me. But it's like, all I was like, I want to have a girlfriend. I want to get married and move to the suburbs. And like, that's what I thought I wanted because that's, 
the perfect world, right? Like you get married, you you buy two cars and you, you get two kids, two and a half kids or whatever. So that's what I think that projection. I don't know where I got that idea, but that's I think it was from uh, movies or my friends. But all my friends who are married later were like, if you're going to if you don't want to have kids, don't get married. <laughs> so you have, all of them. Yes. Yeah, so every entire fucking network single of- one of my kid, friends have said that except one. So. So you mentioned that you your first date was in junior year, and you've talked before yeah. about having crushes on girls and finding out later that they were like, well, you never asked me out. Right. So when you, after high school, like in college, were you able to reinvent yourself with, because, you know, high school, you sort of, it's basically like taking turns of who mm-hmm. you date, mm-hmm. right? It's sort of this like limited pool. So in college, did you have more confidence? Did that- I did. I went back after freshman year of high school or college, I went back and like ended up dating or hooking up with like a bunch of girls from that I had crushes on or whatever. But, um, even in college, I still struggled with, I was, I was shy and so insecure in my, in the way I, what I looked like, uh, just anything, just my confidence was just so poor. The only way I would get confident was by drinking. And I drank a lot. I drank a lot in high school. I drank a lot in college. And so the only times I met women were when I was drunk, where I could just like my inhibitions would be gone. But sober, I had no confidence whatsoever. And so you had really no um, model modeling at home for a healthy relationship. And how much would you say like were your parents in, impact your shyness, your confidence levels? Were they the kind of parents who you know, helped you feel like you could be anything you wanted to be, including being in a healthy relationship? Well, so I was, uh, to clarify, I was just shy uh, around women. I was definitely, I wasn't a shy person, but I was just like intimidated by women, especially if I liked them. Um, In terms of my parents, like they were, they're not outgoing people. My mom's a little outgoing. My mom is, my dad is a, a mild mannered just very relaxed person. My mom is like high energy, neurotic and, uh, like loud. So, um, to the extent that I have a combination of that, my brother and I both have a combination of those, which are very fucking toxic extremes, neuroticism and relaxed, like just mild mannered combination. It's just weird things that come out. But, um, yeah, I just, it was kind of like one of those weird things. And we talked about it before where it's like, they never taught me about, relationships they never were like okay so you're gonna go out to prom this is how it works like i thought i thought i was gonna get laid on prom i was like okay so finally i'm gonna like all those movies yeah that's what i thought it was literally all the movies that we grew up on i was like this is they have to have sex with me now like i got a i got a limo i got alcohol i wore but rented a tux and then on my prom date um she ended up hooking up with my friend uh, the night of prom. And then I, we were we had to spend the weekend together on this trip where a group of us all went to Lake Geneva. So, so awkward. And then we ended up making out anyway. Like, it had, was kind of weird. Had you dated her before prom? or was She it was just... like a friend that a lot of our friends we all hooked up with her, except me. And um, I think we had hooked up one other time, or maybe it was after that. But I was like the only guy who didn't hook up with her. So, like, she was like our friend that was like kind of would hook up with some of us but did you lose I, your virginity in, in high school no. or no uh i might have that's that's <gasps> one of those weird situations where oh no it was in high school i'm might sorry have. Okay, it, it was in college freshman year of college uh 
the first time I had sex, I don't know if I had sex because we were both so drunk. She was older than me and uh, clearly like knew what she was doing and I did not. And I put a condom on and then I think I was in for a little bit, but like I wasn't sure. And then like we stopped. We're like, maybe we shouldn't do this. And I was like, okay. Like I didn't want to do it at that point because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. So that was one situation. But then three months later, I hooked up with my best friend who ended up being my girlfriend. Like we were both obsessed with when Harry met Sally and we're like, that's going to be us. And it happened. And then that relationship fucking died really quick too. Is it the one, is that the one that cheated on you? She also cheated on me, but it was also like we, she was back and forth with her ex and I thought they had stopped dating when we were dating and uh, there was still some shit going on between them. So it was a weird situation. And then, She's been in my life after that, like I went to DC and she was trying to get back in and she was very, very toxic relationship as well. Um, but I think she's found her way. She's, uh, she is, uh, gay now and she's married, happily married. I've had a lot of, uh, exes who later become gay. And that's not a reflection on you, you know, I mean, no, I don't, which it might actually be a good thing that women feel comfortable around you. And even though I'm like the platform to decide they're like a lot of people get married right (laughs) after me too. So they're like, okay, this is now I know what I want. I was like that, that movie, good luck, Chuck, where 17 women got married within, got married or engaged within, um, a year of dating me or to the very next person. That's a lot. Isn't it possible that you give them enough uh, confidence that whatever it is that uh, you bring to the relationship that maybe maybe you help them f- move on to the next? Not that they f- realize what they don't want, but they. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I oh, don't, I'm trying to. Help I you don't. Out here. It doesn't affect me negatively. I do think that on paper I sound like a great catch, so I think that they're like, "This is what I want," and then they settle for the next guy who's like. Oh, this is much better relationship. Like this guy's actually like paying attention to me and he's focused on this and the relationship. Whereas me, I'm like, okay, they see me as an ambitious person who's funny, um, has amazing hair. And then, uh, and then they're like, okay, I'm just going to settle for something like hair isn't an issue anymore. And they'll marry some bald dude who's super nice and not ambitious who will focus on them and their kids. So you have, you know, sort of halting relationships through high school and college, Mm -hmm. right? And then, so you've told us that you have, there were two women in your twenties that you fell in love with that. Well, I never fell in love. I don't think I've ever fallen in love. You've never fallen in love? love? I don't think so. I've, I've loved people. I've said people. Oh, so you've never... You've never been like, I have to see this person. I, have- I don't know. I, I definitely love people. Like I've, mm-hmm. I've told people I love them. And that was a real hard thing for me to do until like uh, recently. But um, I I definitely was in love. Well, maybe I, I think I was in love with this girl uh, who ended up cheating on me. That we were friends with like benefits. And then we started dating. And I was like hesitant about dating her. Because the way I met her was... She was cheating. She came from another uh, state and she was, she had a boyfriend at the time. And then we started, Oh God, I just thought of another person. Uh, she, uh, she started uh, dating me when she was, didn't break up with her guy yet. So we started with her cheating and it ended with her cheating on right. me. So, which is shame on me. But um, that girl was the one that I was like, hesitant to date her. I'm like, I'm not going to date you because you're just going to cheat on me. She's like, no, 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 I'm going to change him. And then I was like, okay, we're dating. And then within a month, 
she cheated on me with someone from work. And that's going to be hard to trust somebody after yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, do, you, do you remember how much that impacted you trying to have... And look, we were dating in the 90s when there were no cell phones. And, this was 2001. Right, you know? so, late, so late 90s, 2000s. Mm-hmm. Like, we didn't have that accessibility, right? You had to call and leave a message on an answering machine. And, yeah. You know, so it was a little bit different. And it was a different kind of work, but also didn't have the intensity of being very available on social media or right. by phone. So when you were dating in the 90s and 2000s, like what were you meeting people at? at, uh, at I met her at a bar. I, a 90%, 95% of the women I met, I met at a bar. And I, a 90% of those I met late at night or at a late night bar. And they ended up in relationship. But I mean, that's, how, that's because at that point in my life, or at that point in the night, I was confident again because i'd been drinking and i had no fear of rejection the biggest motivation for me whether it was high school or college or even going back to grade school was rejection i was so afraid of rejection like that was the motivation for why i didn't approach girls in high school um and college and anything until the rejection fear would go away with alcohol or drugs or whatever. But. And, and the rejection fear was confirming, you, you know, that you were not appealing or. Yeah. I didn't think I was. I just was like, and it, I mean, to some extent now it's funny because I've accepted the physical aspects of myself. But like, I just remember I'd have good looking guy friends and then I'd be like, they'd just be like all in all of them. And I'd just be like, I am Paul, by the way. Like, I'd just be like, I'm going to wait this out. Because so, one of my friends was like really good looking, but he was a nightmare. And I'd be like, okay, they're going to like him for n- now. So I'm just playing the long game. And I'd just be like, they're going to realize that I'm cooler. Because I am I was always confident in my abilities to talk to people. I knew I was smarter than most people. And I also knew I was funny. So that's what I was like, okay, I just got to win them over with my personality. You, and I'm guessing that you went to a school that was predominantly European looking kids. In high school. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, there I mean, was that's, a lot that's... of, we had a lot of, uh, a lot of ethnicities. We had a lot of Indian, uh, some middle Eastern, a lot of Asians, but no, there were not a lot of black people in our school, but it was mostly whites, right. mostly and, white Anglo-Saxon. And what was considered to be the most attractive had to be the blonde hair, blue eye or like the light skin. You know, so you have that yeah. other element of being an outsider. I, I was definitely an outsider. And all I wanted to do was blend in. Like, I just wanted to be, like, fit in and not be different. Whereas now it's like I want to be the opposite of everything else. But back then, all I wanted to do was fit in. All my friends were white kids. I'm like, I just want to be a white kid. And to the extent, you know, Middle Eastern kids and Indian kids, everyone, at least with the Middle Eastern, Iranians are very ethnocentric. So they only hang out with other Iranians too. And I was like that too for a big part of my time. But I kind of like chose to stop doing that because I wanted to just blend in. And so that compounds the rejection feeling is that now it's not just a romantic thing. It could also be a cultural, the cool, good looking white kids. I I just didn't feel like I was good looking either. And I had had a friend who was uh, Middle Eastern, uh, Iranian friend, my best friend growing up. But girls loved him because he was a good looking dude. So um, it wasn't just that. It was just that was more of a rejection. If anything, I'm like, well, it's not they're not racist because he's fucking (laughs) he's Iranian. He's fucking shorter than me, but girls fucking love him. And he and he was getting laid all the time. And all I wanted to do was like just kiss a girl. Right. And part of that problem though, too, and we've talked about this before, is that they don't care. 
right? They, they, they don't. They the, the good looking those people that like are getting laid all the time. Yeah, they don't know. They, they don't. Well, they they, they just, don't have to work hard. They don't have to fucking. They're just like good looking, and then they would get all these opportunities. And with they wouldn't women. be emotionally invested in them either. You are you're pre invested in yeah. somebody because you think they're gonna reject you. They don't care. They're just casting yeah. I was like you. the best friend in the movie, just waiting for my. I'm like. Oh, Brian fucking cheated on you again. Well, I'm here. Cry on my shoulder. Maybe we'll make out later. <laughs> like, not like in a, well, not in like a creepy way, but I was just like, maybe you'll realize that I'm way better than this we'll dude. accidentally touch hands. Yeah. We'll catch each other's gaze. And, and that's how it was, honestly, for a while. Like that, the, my first real girlfriend was, she had a bad relationship with her boyfriend and I was the guy who swooped in when, when shit didn't work out. But then, that was a fucking nightmare of a relationship too. She was a lot of drama. And that's another reason why I don't like relationships because I just want to avoid drama. I don't want to be in a fight. I don't like uh, toxic energy. I don't like fighting. I don't like to fight with people. Hey gang, I'm excited to tell you about this new dating app. This is a dating app that's different than any other dating app I've ever talked about on this podcast. It's called Posse Global. It's a dating app created for groups of friends. See, back in the day, you would go to bars with your friends and you'd meet a group of other friends and magic would ensue for one or two of you. Or even before that, I was in a fraternity, we'd go out to sorority mixers and the groups would meet up and one or two people would have magic nights or magic lives. That's just how it worked. Well, guess what? That's what this app does. It creates all that magic and more. It helps create plans easier for you and your friends to connect with others, not only locally, but globally. Here's how it works. First, you create an individual profile. You guys have known how to do this on all the other dating apps. There's no difference. The difference comes when you create a posse profile. Yep, that's right. You create a posse profile. It could be a posse of you and your college friends. It could be a posse of you and your colleagues at work or your high school friends. You can be in as many posses as you want. You create these posses. It can be you and three people or you and 30 people. Then you see the feed. You see other posses you might want to hang out with. The other features that are so cool are destination features and the beacon feature and the group messaging feature. I don't have time to go into details about this, but I can tell you a little about it. Say you're going to the Indy 500 with you and your friends or you and your posse, and you see, hey, there's another group called Fighting Illini 69 that's going there too. They sound like fun. You can make plans with them to meet up there with them at the Indy 500. Or you can use the beacon feature when you're there if you're not hanging out or if not feeling that Fighting Illini 69 and see what other groups are there because the beacon feature shows you the interactive map that allows you to see who else is in your area or other destinations that you may be going to. And you can group message them to decide if you're going to meet them. Look, there's so many cool things that I just don't have time to tell you about in this small, short commercial. What I can tell you is download Posse Global. Show me that you did. Create a profile. Create an individual profile and a Posse profile. Email it to me and I'll make sure you get some awesome Posse swag while supplies last. Trust me when I tell you this app is the future. Posse Global. Download it today. You are welcome. Okay. I know it's all fun and games. My Better Call Paul spiels on stage or my shirts that say Better Call Paul. Uh, 
donating a lot of the money for charity, by the way. Um, PaulFComedy.com, you can get your shirt, as always. But here's the thing. If you actually need a lawyer, you have to get professional help. So if you're injured on the job, you don't know what kind of compensation you're entitled to, or you're injured in a car accident. Don't handle something on your own, and don't call some random person that you see in commercials on daytime TV. Call someone that really knows what they're doing, someone that's helped workers who were injured for over 20 years in Chicago and beyond. My good friend, attorney Scott Shapiro. He is your man. Give him a call. Here's the thing. He also handles entertainment law, whether you're a comedian, a musician, a podcaster, a wrestler, an actor, anything. He's handled all these things for 20 years here in Chicago. He is your guy. Give him a call, 312-627-1650, or email him at scott at scottshapirolegal.com. All consultations initially free of charge. Your first consultation is free. You have nothing to lose. Don't take any chances. Call my friend Scott Shapiro, 312-627-1650, scott at scottshapirolegal.com. Tell him I sent you. You're welcome. So you have the relationship with the woman who was already cheating, promises she's not going to yeah. do that to you. How long between that and the next relationship that was significant and also ended up cheating mm, on you? Man, I don't remember the orders of this time because I have long COVID. <laughs> <laughs> but these are the two that you were There was another to. girl I dated who was also from out of town. Uh, I, don't, I think that was like four or five years later. In between there, I dated a lot of people that would I would date for like three to six months and they, were, they weren't cheating or anything. There were allegations of cheating, but I never could confirm it one way or the other. I just assumed there that were allegations. I, well, I, was just, I would always assume that they were cheating on me because like my friends would yeah. be like, hey, I saw so-and-so out with this dude. She was all over him. I'm like, oh, okay. So she's just cheating on me, which I figured is happening. And then they'd be like, you're insane. And maybe I was because I would just be like, I don't know. Maybe they are. Maybe they aren't. Um, and that happened for a while. Then later I dated a girl. We were friends. She had a boyfriend. She cheated on him with me. And then we were like friends with benefits for a while on and off. And then she ended up kind of dating someone else. And then I was still like the other guy for a long time. I liked that relate. I liked that situation for a long period of time. I liked being the other guy. And knowing in that, a relationship. The, the, but the dude, it wasn't like a polyamorous relationship. No, no, no. This guy he had didn't no know idea. About me. Yeah. yeah. I just, Did I just, he ever find like, out? Uh, no, I don't think that one did. Um, but, but well, I've, I, I've, I've been in that situation multiple times. I've, not now, but like back in my late twenties, early thirties, I would, that would happen all the time. And I kind of enjoyed it cause I felt like, okay, this is cool. Cause if things get too serious, I could be like, well, you're, I'm not the guy. Like it was kind of like a safety net too. So maybe I was trying to uh, protect myself from being hurt. Right. A built in eject button. Yeah. 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 And do you think, that, well, and we, I'm not going to be your therapist, but I don't know how much of that was sort of like, well, if this is going to happen to me anyway, why don't I just do it first? And, you know, well, not, uh, yeah. do it, not cheat on somebody, but, but be just the, be the guy who's who, who doesn't have to worry about that. You the side already, piece. Yeah. Like I was the side piece. I love that situation. I really did. I kind of like thrived in that position most of the time because it felt like a good uh, place where I can like still focus on whatever it was I was focusing on at the time career wise. And I just be like, okay, well, now I'm just like, 
you like other people's chaos. You don't have to be involved. In yeah, that. I don't have to deal with the drama, right? Like I was just like, okay. And then what I've learned too from this podcast is, and now what what's happened, um, is that I just like to find people that have something. It's a little more health. It's a healthier situation than being the other guy. Like I like. I like women who have kids because I'm like, okay, I'm the other guy, but it's not. It's just their child is the first. Right. They need an escape, and that's you. Yeah, and I like that There's too. No pressure. So yeah. So in your 20s, so we kind of, I think we've covered that. So had you after your 20s, did you have any other relationships that were heartbreaking that you felt like you could you could invest more time and whether whether it was drama or endure? Yeah, I, ha- I had one really healthy relationship for a year, uh, ten years ago. Uh, and it was the best relationship I've ever had. And uh, we met at, late at a bar. Uh, she was hilarious. And then uh, she was very attractive and, and funny. And we had so much fun. For the first six months were like a honeymoon. We were always laughing. We were always having fun. And we had, we had great chemistry. But then just things got we were just fighting all the time the last the last three months we're just fighting all the time we weren't having sex we weren't being physical i wasn't attracted to her physically anymore even though like you look at her and i mean she looked like a like a porn star (laughs) it was kind of funny we were at a cubs game once and someone came up to her like we like your work and uh yeah they said that to her and then she's like should i be offended i'm like no i think they think you're jenna james or whoever the porn star was and then She's like, okay, is that good? I'm like, yeah, I think so. But anyway, um, that's when I saw therapy. When that relationship broke, it was clearly because of me. Um, I went to my, I went to a therapist. I'm like, how does this end? Like, what am I doing wrong? He's like, you're just emotionally immature. That's what he said. Emotionally immature. That's what he said. Interesting. And then we, that's when we went into. I told him all that stuff. He's like, no, let's talk about your childhood. I was like, okay. Cause I thought, I thought it was like. Uh, what else did I think? I was like, well, maybe I just have like intimacy issues. Well, clearly I do. And um, and then he's like, well, what else is going on? And then I was like, well, I watch a lot of porn. And then we, I thought it was like a porn addiction. He's like, no, nope, that's not it either. I'm like, okay, well, what else is it? And like, well, what did he want you to do to grow emotionally? Like, is there homework for emotional growth? Well, then what happened was <laughs> uh, we were working on that issue. And then uh, I got ulcers. Uh, while you were with the girl, while I was, was with the ther- no, after we had broken up okay. and then my focus was on my mental, uh, focusing on removing the, all the mental aspects of ulcers. I was getting treated physically for ulcers. And then he's like, yeah, you're, you need to fucking get out of your head. And so then we focused on that a little bit. And then relationships became secondary, and then I stopped going to them for a while. Had you, until that point, like th- imagine yourself getting married, having kids, the whole kit and caboodle? I had lost. Oh, so the reason why that relationship died, the the healthy one, and we're good friends now. And I'm like, I'm hoping she finds what she wants. I talked to her during the pandemic a couple times. She found a new guy, and hopefully they get married. I did, I knew at that point I didn't want to be married and have kids at that point, and I didn't want to waste her time. So I think that was a big barrier. You didn't want to get married and have kids with her or ever? Ever. Ever. I, I knew that at that point. Well, I didn't I didn't say I, I, I knew I didn't want to get married. That doesn't mean I wouldn't get married. Like, that's just like one of those things I say. But I knew I didn't want to have kids. I was like, I don't think I want to have kids. And she wanted to have kids. And she was uh, getting to the age where she needs to start thinking about that. And so, 
so since then, do you kind of because you've mentioned you've you've mentioned it several times and even today about the three to six month period mm-hmm. of when you know you, it's kind of the window that you have and right. not, not necessarily like you're checking off dates or anything like that. But that's it's usually kind of, when it would die on their end. They'd be like, "Well, where's this going?" That's right. they that's there's a normal progress that people believe uh, after a certain period of time that a relationship has to go to the next level, right? And so for me, I'm like comfortable in the six month comfort level of intimacy and whatever our relationship is. And if someone wants to go to that next level, that's where I'm like, uh, I don't know what that is. So for at six, what would be what would be the sort of uh, perfect situation? <laughs> no, I mean like at six months, let's say they don't want to have kids and they're happy yeah. with the way it goes. Yeah. So presumably you're like there's a ball that's in constant motion. And just keep going until... Yeah, just try to enjoy this period of honeymoon, the honeymoon phase where we're not fighting and we're just having fun. If there's a way to do that, I try to do that. And I think now, I think I've done that where, you know, I've dated people in other states where I'm like, okay, we see each other every once in a while. I'm like, okay, this could could work out because you don't see me all the time. When I see you, you're excited to see me, vice versa. We have like a vacation couple days or whatever, and then I'm, I'm gone. And you don't do you keep in touch in the interim? Between, yeah, of course. Right, and just sort of checking in. Yeah. And hope you're well, but you don't want to be in the situation where someone like if you don't text back right away. What the fuck have you been? Right. Yeah, I hate that situation. I hate I hate that if uh, I haven't checked in on someone, then I'm like, what happened? Like I don't like that feeling. I don't I don't like to have to feel a, um, that I have to check in on people. So now you've found uh, soloism as a, yes, as a lifestyle. Yes. So how does it? How is it different from what you've been doing since your thirties? I think it's just accepting that um, this could be my future. I could continue to do this where I don't have to uh, be in a relationship or multiple relationships. I could just be on my own. And you talk often. And about I don't know if that's going to work. This is just like a month ago I found this. I'm like, this is so cool. <laughs> it does fit in with, I think, the. Yeah, I of, think so. Well, because polyamory, we've had guests on, right, where we talk about that. I'm like, this seems like a lot of work. I don't so want to. Yeah, like five fucking people. Like, how do you know who yeah. you're talking to? It seems like a lot of work. And I don't think I like. I don't think I like five people, like do or whatever. Make, do they make apps for that polyamory? I think there <laughs> there is. I think there's straight. different things. Yeah. I just it just seems like a lot of work, and I rather just have relationships with multiple people. It doesn't have to be a physical relationship, but it's like okay, this is who I talk to. Like, you know, if I want to talk about politics, I'm like okay, I'm going to talk to Patty about this <laughs> shit that fucking went down, or 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 com- comedy stuff like dealing with the uh, Chris Rock Will Smith stuff. I'm like okay, there's a few people I want to talk to about this or I can talk to about it or I'll tweet or something like that. But just having one person to, to fulfill all the different things that I'm interested in, it just seems like you're putting a lot of pressure on someone. And I think that that's, it works both ways, right? Cause you don't want to be in a situation where, um, they're putting, uh, uh, putting undue pressure on me to be, okay, I'm used to having a guy, you know, do this, this and this for me. Yeah, that's a lot of pressure to take on. Yeah. Is somebody like somebody else's work? Now somehow you have to. Yeah, leave. yeah, that's a lot too. I can't, I can't have sex more than once every three weeks. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you're checking it off on your calendar. Yeah, like, I'm and, like, oh. and a lot of that, I think. Don't you think that soloism, all of it, actually, the new way in which we're imagining relationships is. Um, both helped and hurt by being able to have apps. But I mean, hundred percent. Right. I, well, I, I think that 
I think it's helped in, in the evolution away from traditional marriage, whether that's a positive or negative, we'll, we'll find out. But I think it's a positive because I think um, marriage is an outdated institution in the traditional sense. I think that um, if you get married when you're young, it's just your it's a recipe for disaster. And you see what it does to people who are children of broken relationships or relationships that didn't work out um, or, or that should have been dissolved years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it affects their relationships. You've, you've permanently damaged them too. And I guess you could say the same thing about someone that's in a polyamorous relationship because you're going to be the victim. There's going to be, uh, what is it called when you accidentally, there's a, when you like shoot, when you're in a war and you accidentally shoot. Friendly like, fire. Friendly fire. Uh, that's not the word I'm like. Uh, Misfire. Uh, accidental. Um, when you accidentally shoot your own people? No, like uh, you shoot like innocent people while you're trying to shoot the bad guys. Oh. Well, there's uh, a word for it. Yeah. Uh, Catas- uh, God. Casualty Fuck. of war, but not, uh, but not that. No. Civilian. Um, I can't get it either now. <laughs> you know what I'm talking and, about, and it's though. bothering me though. It's just like ancillary damage. Yeah. Oh, uh, collateral, collateral damage. There Thank is. you. Yeah, you talked way through it. I talked way through it. Yeah, it's like collateral damage that that you've caused because of traditional marriage being the, of trying to fit something that's not natural. So, what do you see yourself in in ten years? That's the question, right? That's what I asked my therapist. Like, how does this end? And he said, well, do you know anyone that's single that you look at? And my uncle, who's in, he's 60 now, he's single. He's in a toxic relationship with someone that uh, that he can't get out of. But um, he's not married. He has no kids. And he's like, other than that toxic relationship, he's the happiest person I know. <laughs> well, So, I mean, there is hope. But I do feel like there, and we talked about it on the Soloist podcast. I'm like, well, shit, I got to like find someone's going to take care of me. So I'm nice to my nieces and nephew. I'm like, they're going to look out for me. Hopefully someone will be there. Otherwise I'm going to have some caretaker steal all my shit. Well, you went to Florida twice and caught, I mean, you caught COVID twice from Florida because you're keeping that relationship with Oh yeah, that's right. My nieces and nephew. Well, that's a, I, I think it's a good long-term plan. Well, Paul, we've run out of time. Uh, we'd love to have you back for this 300th episode of Singles Only. Uh, we uh, are really grateful that you were able to join us today. I feel like there was... Um, we'd love to have you back. Mocking. We've got, a, we've got more conversation. I like that your voice changed. <laughs> When you uh, started this and like you were kind of smirking when you asked my traditional questions. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, that's definitely, this is very hard to be on the other side of this. Where Fuck. can people find you? <laughs> <laughs> the Singles Only Podcast. Patty, where can people find you? That's what we need to At know. Patty Vasquez, CHI. Go like that tweet for me, will you? So I'm not the crazy person hanging out there with only one like on a tweet. Oh, I'll go. I'll, I, I, I didn't know that's what you wanted. I was, yes, I was just, like, just like the tweet. Me? I it's don't just get one. Per, I'm just one person liked it, and I need. I just need to not look two? crazy. Okay, yeah, I'll go two. do it right Thank now. Thank you very much. All right, that's inside baseball. You, they know what we're talking you about. You don't even need to retweet it. Uh, look forward to hearing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Be happy, healthy, and safe. Oh, it's my show. Sorry. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> As some of you know, I am a germaphobe. I never leave my home without my sanitizer. And I'm also admitted hand sanitizer snob. I need the good smelling stuff, period. During the pandemic, I, like all of you, suffered through countless hand sanitizers, which smelled like tequila and diaper rash. Not to mention the sticky feeling some left while others would just stay slippery on your hands, no matter how little you used. Everyone hoarded the good stuff. Well, I finally discovered my match. And it's not just the good stuff, it's the best stuff. 
Emu hand sanitizer. The only hand sanitizer that feels good, smells good, and does good. With various smell flavors to choose from, lemongrass, mint, ocean air, orange blossom, and my favorite, watermelon. Emu ends the days of horrible sanitizers with sticky or slippery residue. It actually smells amazing. I am not kidding you. I actually look forward to using it after shaking hands with people after shows or touching microphones from all these dirty comedians. Best of all, the bottles are TSA approved, so I can travel with them. And Emu gives back with every bottle. They give a percentage of their net profits to COVID research. So... Emu is the way to go. Check it out today, sprayemu.com, or go to their Instagram at sprayemu. Use singles only promo code for your discount today. Emu sanitizer. You will love it. But I'm still standing.